Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you're here today. And I pray that you're having a wonderful week on this beautiful Wednesday morning or whatever day or time it might be when you're viewing this program. Now, today, let's endeavor to go behind the scenes some. I want to talk about attacks of the enemy and how you can counter the attack. And this is something that we need to understand because the enemy does launch very cunning strategic attacks against our lives. I'm not saying it's something every day that takes place, but we do need to know when they're happening, what's going on. So today let's peek back behind the spiritual veil and talk about these things. Let's pray first. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we thank you that your word illuminates what's really going on. And we ask today that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures so that the eyes of our understanding can be flooded with light and so that we're not on the we're not in the dark on these situations so that the light is really turned on. We thank you. We give you praise, Father, for helping us in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. I tell you the spiritual world is very very real and the closer you get to the Lord the more you realize the the reality of this that while we have a physical life and we enjoy food and we enjoy family and friendships and relationships at the same time the closer you get to the Lord you realize the tremendous application of spiritual dynamics, what's going on in the spirit realm. And I would say that, that this is very much true, that the closer you get to the Lord, the more supernatural you will experience. And of course, much of that is good, but there's also a side of that where you recognize the evil working of the enemy and very often you could, you, you step back and you think, wow, that was that was supernaturally, even diabolically, uh, an event that unfolded or something that took place. And you would think that would have to be supernatural. Well, it, it was. And I want you to understand that God has victory on his mind for you. He has no uh, losing streak plan for you. In other words, it's like a coach on a football team. God's not planning for on, on you losing any games, but we have to really walk close with the Lord and understand what the enemy tries to do at times. Not that we're going to magnify him or focus on him, but we do need to be aware of how he operates so that when an attack is launched, we can counter that attack and thus enjoy the victory that God has already prepared for us to experience. Praise the Lord. Now, Luke chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 1. I want to share a secret with you about the enemy that's very important for you to understand. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Now, there is going to be a cumulation at the end of the grand finale test, but you, you would be wise to know that 
while there's an epic showdown that's coming at the end of the 40-day fast, we know who's going to show up. You have to understand the entire time, though, during the 40 days, each day, the enemy was throwing something against him. Now, it was on a smaller scale. It could have been something just as simple as trying to get Jesus into uh, maybe fear because he's out there in the wilderness. And, uh, you know, this was not a time where you could go out there and uh, shine a flashlight at a wild lion and, you know, maybe get on a megaphone and say, get out of here, try to scare him off. And during this time in history, there were many wild beasts that would uh, meander through that part of the country. And so he's out there all by himself. And we don't, uh, uh, today we enjoy many uh, protective defenses, but they didn't have those things back back in those days. So he's trusting God the Father uh, to take care of him. But you could easily see how the devil would try to disturb him during the 40 days. So there's, there's what we would call small temptations that are coming uh, towards the Lord each day. But he's getting past those. But the big one, the big one is coming, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Everybody has a different biological mechanism in the sense of your body type, your body build, how much fat content you have, and all these various factors. The average person can go 40 days fasting, but if you go only on water, usually right at 40 days, you're, you've probably have hit your peak and your body is now has used up all fat reserves and it's a very critical time. So if you don't start to eat, then your body will go into survival mode and it will begin to consume itself. It'll begin to consume muscles or whatever it can to just keep surviving. And that, of course, is very dangerous, a very dangerous window uh, that has opened. Now, the Lord is at that window. Uh, when you have used and depleted all fat reserves, your body knows you're done and it switches over to an intense hunger. And uh, that means there's nothing else left to burn up. No more reserves. You need to go eat now. And that's where Jesus is at. Now for me, because I'm, you know, I'm thinner and uh, I'm not as tall or as, 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 you know, big shouldered as Jesus is. So for me on 40 days, I, I have not made it to 40 days on water only. Now I can drink some juices like liquid, like apple juice or some things like that. And by God's grace, I can get out there, but just on water alone, uh, no, I've ran out of steam <laughs> before then because I don't have, I don't have those reserves to take me out there. Praise the Lord. So I know exactly where my water only cutoff moment is at because there's a, there's a day that comes where um, everything's burned up. And so, but here's the thing. The Lord is now at that point, 40 days, his body has now switched over to the hunger mechanism, which means you've got to eat now. That is what we would call the lowest, weakest moment for the Lord. And that would, you know it, wouldn't you just know it? That's when the devil shows up. Now, now, now watch this. This is what an unspiritual person would say. Well, isn't that amazing? I guess that's just a coincidence that the devil just happened to show up then 
Well, what good timing. No, my friends, that's, that's not a coincidence. That's on purpose. So here's a key I want to share with you that you need to understand. The devil never fights fair. There are rules of engagement that he is bound under the Almighty to work within these rules, but he will push it right up to the edge. So you need to know he never, ever fights fair. He plays just as dirty as he can, and he has no problem with doing that because remember, he has no conscience. <laughs> so he's, he's finished. He, he's already uh, doomed to the lake of fire. That's his destination. Nothing can alter or change that. So what he will do is that he will play dirty in the sense that he, he's not a nice guy. He is going to attack you intentionally on purpose and he'll stand back and map it all out, strategize it all out with his other assistants, and he will launch the attack right when it appears you are most vulnerable. And you need to know that. You need to be aware of that. And that is why, may I say uh, with great prayer, that I pray that the term spiritual vacation be something that you never know. I pray that you never take a spiritual vacation where you think, well, I'm going to take a physical vacation, which is good, but I'm going to couple that with a spiritual vacation, and I'm not going to pray for a couple of weeks. I need a break. Oh, you have to understand how the enemy works. That, to him, would be like uh, the mounting of an attack that would be launched against you while you're on the beach uh, drinking an iced tea, thinking I'm just taking a little break here. What can happen here? Oh, uh, it is really interesting what can happen uh, with these attacks. Now, this is a supernatural attack, and it comes against the Lord at a weak moment. Now, the thing is that when you pray, when you pray, and the Lord's also, He's coupled it with fasting, then there is a tremendous spiritual strength. And that's something the enemy can't quite understand. He acknowledges physical weakness, and that's, that's very attractive to him because now he thinks, I can, I can maybe break through. He also can acknowledge mental weakness from the perspective of if you're tired physically, he knows that your mind, there could be a moment where he could get a break and try to slip in some doubt or try to... Um, Maybe get you to say something at a weak moment when you're caught off guard or something like that. By the way, that's um, one of the reasons why President Eisenhower, former president, of course, many years back, would never, ever make any decisions after three o'clock in the afternoon. First of all, with his military background, he was a very early riser. So when you're up at four o'clock in the morning, well, you know, by three o'clock, you've, you've already been running and working for almost 12 hours, so he would never make any decisions after three o'clock. Well, trust me, if you had been up since three or four, and it's four or five o'clock, guess what the enemy would try to do? He would try to launch something where you would feel pressured to give a response and you're not, maybe you're, you're tired or now you're caught off guard. And so you have to understand how these dynamics work so that the enemy doesn't get through on you concerning things like that. Praise God. So let's go over to the gospel of Mark. And I want you to see further 
insight to these attacks and how you can successfully counter them. Woo, praise the Lord. Glory to God. The main thing is that even if you are tired physically, and this is very important because you might be, even if you are tired or fatigued mentally, and you, you might be, if the attack comes, at least as long as you are built up spiritually, then you will survive it. Now, you, you, you might prefer to be uh, uh, more vibrant, to have, to have had some more sleep, to have had a more conducive uh, environment leading up to the engagement, but you know, it is what it is. But as long as you are walking close to the Lord, even if there looks to be weaknesses, vulnerabilities to the enemy, he can launch the attack, but he'll find out that it won't get through. But you need to know what's going on because he will try. Uh, he's very persistent. He will try. Praise the Lord. We're going to be ready. Mark chapter 9 verse 2. Now, as we go into Mark chapter 9, we're going to uh, look at some more spiritual keys. Number one we saw is that the devil does not play fair. He doesn't have a conscience, so it's, uh, it's nothing upsetting to him at all to attack you, perhaps maybe when you're feeling some kind of physical thing come on you, maybe like an infirmity or a cold or flu, something that's trying to attack your body. Oh, that would be, uh, for, first of all, that is an attack of the enemy, but also he's, he would probably be trying to do that at a time or trying to put that on you at a time when maybe he thinks he could get it over on you. Maybe there's a vulnerability or something like that. We want to be aware. Now, Mark chapter 9, verse 2. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Praise the Lord. All right. God wants you to have mountaintop experiences. We know that in some senses, we can't live on the mountaintop all the time. We have to uh, be involved in uh, winning souls. We have to be involved in, uh, you know, it could be just as simple as changing a diaper on your child. We have to be involved in life. But there are those moments. Yes, you do have mountaintop experiences, divine encounters. It could be. It could be something as sovereign and sacred as a visitation from the Lord uh, through a supernatural vision, maybe something angelic. Maybe you received a a uh, powerful prophecy from a mighty prophet, and it jolts uh, your destiny alive on the inside of you. And you can have these encounters and glory moments, as we could call them, and you think this is phenomenal. And you know what it is. It, it's tremendous. But these mountaintop experiences are usually followed by something that the enemy is going to try to do the throw, uh, we would call, uh, something in there to try to pull you out of the spirit or either try to maybe take away from the glorious experience you just had. So what I'm wanting to say, and this is another principle is that whenever you have a mountaintop experience, 
Don't go on break after that. Don't think, well, wow, that was a great victory. Because already, and we're, we're not being con- conscious of the enemy, but we are being aware that we are in a physical earth that is a fallen world with a, with a sin nature in the, in the world. And we're in it, but we're not of it. But we still have to be aware that the enemy is out there prowling around, not as a roaring lion, or excuse me, not, not being a lion, but as one, trying to uh, you know, present himself as one, endeavoring to uh, devour those that he could find as vulnerable prey, but he's not going to find you being vulnerable. Praise the Lord. But my friends, when you have high moments, you must be very, very careful. I have a very special book in my personal library, and uh, this book actually today is very hard to buy. It's out of print. Uh, There might be a few floating around on eBay or somewhere out there, but I was so happy to get one of of the uh, originals of this book. But it talks about a great man of God that lived in South Africa, and one of the high water moments of his ministry was when the Lord Jesus used him to raise a young girl from the dead who had been dead for over four days. And the whole village knew that she had died. Uh, Countless people witnessed her being dead. And on the fourth day, the Lord sent this minister, this pastor, Pastor Duma, D-U-M-A, to go raise her from the dead. And he did by the power of God, and the results were explosive. I mean, it went through the villages, the rural communities, and it, it caused many to come to Christ. And after this young girl was raised from the dead, she would also go out and minister and, and in churches share her testimony, and it was powerful. But Pastor Duma said that after this tremendous encounter, this what we would call mountaintop experience, he said the Lord Jesus spoke to him and said, now I need you to lay low a little bit because the enemy is going to be very upset with what has happened. And I want you to lay low for several reasons. Number one, he's going to be upset and there's going to, there's going to be an effort for him to do a counterattack. And number two, you're going to have a challenge now that will come against you. The enemy is going to try to work to get you caught in pride. So the Lord said, take a season where you humble yourself and just lay before me because I've done this great thing through you because of your faith and your love for me. And so this great thing has taken place, but now you must be aware of these spiritual dynamics. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. Yes. So let's enjoy our mountaintop experiences. But remember, Remember, the enemy will oftentimes, after a mountaintop experience, try to get you out of that glory moment and and get you over into a place where you've lost your peace. Maybe now you're a little bit flustered or or um, frazzled or or you know you're he, he's trying to get you out of that. Now watch this. We're still in Mark chapter nine and uh, verse nine. Now as they came down from the mountain. Again, we have tremendous walk with the Lord, tremendous experience with the Lord, but there's also the the lost and hurting humanity uh, that we must reach out to, and we must conduct ourselves in this fallen world, which has many, uh, many means of trying to distract us. Now, as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell 
no one the things that they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they've come down from the mountain, verse 15. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. Now they saw him, they were amazed. I believe there was still quite a bit of that glory of that anointing that was resting all over him, just like Moses had the illumination on the face, the Lord Jesus, in a similar way, uh, his glory, the glory of God was being displayed. Uh, but with Moses, it, it was a reflection of the glory. With Jesus, it's from the uh, inside coming out. But I believe the people were able to pick up on that and still see that tremendous glory effect, what, what we would sometimes call the halo effect. Which, by the way, when you see the ancient paintings, medieval paintings, uh, and things along that line of saints from history's past with a halo drawn over their head, uh, there was a reason the artist drew that because I have actually seen people in the anointing under the glory, and it looks like there is a light on, on them. And I've seen, I've seen the light on their face. I've seen it over them. And so the artist of, of uh, previous centuries and years would try to draw that in a way where they could reflect in the painting the glory that that man or woman would walk in. And oftentimes they would picture it as what we would call the halo effect. Praise God. That was just uh, their effort to reflect in their paintings the glory of God resting upon a man or woman. Verse 17, then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. So let me, let me say, be careful around unbelieving believers Believers that believe in Christ, believers that belong to God, but they can be unbelieving in areas of the power of God, or they could be um, without knowledge in these areas of spiritual dynamics. So you could be in a situation where you're endeavoring to maybe to pray for somebody, or you're endeavoring to move in the spirit, and maybe there's believers there, but they're not in faith and they don't have an interest in God or the things of God. And so you're there praying and you're trying to stir the anointing up. And all they're doing is thinking about football. <laughs> they're, they're wanting you to hurry up or just, you know, shut it all down so that they can go home and watch the game or something like that. So in those types of cases, uh, these things are going to try to pull you. These are types of attacks that try to pull you out of the walk of the spirit and get you over into a place where that atmosphere of chaos or unbelief or sometimes even confusion begins to touch you and begins to try to get you to doubt or begins to try to move you out of that place that you had just previously been in on the mountaintop, maybe even literally the very night before. Wow. Look, guard the anointing. Guard it with everything you have. And let me expand that and say further, guard the presence of God. Just because you and I know what that is, and we treasure that, and would never want to live without it, doesn't mean that other believers also cherish the same idea 
And sinners certainly don't know what it is. They have absolutely no clue what it is. So if they tear it up or disrupt it, then that that's just what they do because they're not they're not aware of we of what we know as the glory. It, when you're spiritually dead, you, these are things that you just absolutely can't you can't understand. You can't you you don't know what's going on. But also now watch this with some Christians, you have to really guard your heart very very carefully because when an attack comes the enemy can also try to surround you with those that are just full of unbelief. Oh, they, they may even love Jesus, but they don't understand what is going on. And so they can actually be in a negative flow. Wow. Now, because some Christians don't pray and they, they don't spend time in the word. They have no devotional life, but they're saved and they love God. And they're on the way to heaven, but because they have no spiritual instincts, it's, it's possible for the enemy to even work through them. I'm not even talking about unbelievers because the, the enemy can, he can play with them anytime he wants to, but it is possible that the enemy can even work through some of God's own people because they're, they're just simply not aware of these dynamics. It's like a, a skilled musician can pick up a violin. If he's, if he's trained in the violin, he or she knows how to play that instrument. Well, they can pick it up at any time and just start playing it. But that's, that's what the enemy can even do in attacks. If there is a well-coordinated attack against a man or woman of God, then the, the enemy at times will even launch that attack through a Christian. It's a Christian that maybe even can speak spiritual lingo, but they really don't have any spiritual depth. Um, and so because of that, the enemy is able to even use them sometimes in the mix of even pushing an environment that God's not in or pushing a direction that the spirit is not moving in. And these are things you have to be very, very careful about. That's why you must pray so that you can stand your ground and say, you know, I appreciate that insight. Um, thank you for sharing that. But I'm going to stay uh, with what I'm doing right here. Thank you. Thank you very much. And sometimes they'll try uh, other tactics and other things. But when you're prayed up, you can hold your ground and you can stand in peace because the enemy is going to try to take that. He's going to try to disrupt that. Now, that's what's going on here with the disciples. So you had Jesus and three of the apostles up on the mountain having a tremendous experience. They come down into what? Really, confusion. <laughs> and the other disciples who love the Lord, they're just like, they can't figure out what to do. And and now it's just, it's a mess. It's a mess. So Jesus walks into that environment and he knows what to do. He begins to stabilize the situation and the, uh, the panic and the, uh, the fear even that would begin beginning to try to spread. He just stops all of that in his tracks, takes care of the situation, and then keeps on moving. Praise the Lord. So be aware of these types of things. Now, let's go on. Ephesians chapter 6. And I pray that in your life that you have many 
mountaintop experiences and that you always live in the high places. But as we walk in the high places, we also sometimes have to walk through uh, various trying situations that we would prefer not to have to engage or encounter. But my friends, faith in God and a strong walk with the Lord will take you through it. It will take you right through it. And I tell you, it helps so much to know when the enemy is doing it. And this is, this is a third principle that I want to share with you that you have probably have heard expressed or taught before, but the reality of it is quite sobering. And let's go to it now. Ephesians chapter six, let's go to verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Excuse me. Now, here's the thing. When we read these verses often, and once you've been in the church for a while, uh, it doesn't take long before you make your way through Ephesians and somebody, a preacher, a teacher, uh, begins to minister on the subject of Ephesians 6 and the spiritual armor. But because we've heard it often, don't uh, let your mind shut off. You really want to understand uh, what's taking place here, these spiritual dynamics. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, the bottom line is that we want to stand. I wish I could tell you that the attacks won't come, but there are times when they do come. And even Jesus, after he had defeated Satan there with the temptation in the wilderness, it says the devil left him for another time. In other words, the devil says, okay, well, I lost this round. I'm just going to retreat. I'm going to replan, and I'm going to see what I can do uh, at the next available opportunity. And the Bible says the next season. So my friends, be aware that God will enable you to stand. And that's what we must do. We must stand through this. But these are wiles, as the Bible says, wiles of the devil. What is that? They're, it's strategies. It's well-coordinated, mapped out, uh, planned attacks against you and I, but we thank God that we know how to overcome them. Now, verse 12 is the key I want to get to. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And sometimes you would think that you are, because again, the enemy can use people sometimes just I mean, like, like the person playing the violin. It's like the devil sometimes can just pick people up and play through them whatever it is that he's trying to do that would be a variant form of his attack. But you have to understand that while it's happening, and yes, the enemy would be working through individuals, sometimes wicked people, sometimes even Christians who are unknowingly being used of the, of the enemy, my friends, you have to understand that it's still not flesh and blood that we are wrestling against. It, in the natural, it can appear just like that. But in the spiritual, that's not what's going on. This is an attack of the enemy. So we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wicked, a spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly realms. So when you know where it's coming from, 
oh, already now you're in the light. And you think, okay, I know what's going on. This is not flesh and blood. This is not just that, you know, maybe I've got crazy relatives or maybe this is not just that I could have a, uh, maybe a rebellious employee if you're an employer, or this is not just that what's going on with my coworker. Wow. What came over them? Okay. So it's not, it's not flesh and blood. This is the enemy that would do these things through them. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And that's really what we want our position to be, where when it's all said and done, we stood and we got through it smoothly and victoriously. We denied the enemy the ability to get in there and take it in a direction that God did not want it to go. Praise the Lord. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Keep your joy, keep your peace, praise the Lord, and push, especially in prayer. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always. And that's really the great strength. Now, you're going to stand on the Word of God. You're going to use your spiritual weaponry to stand. But what you do with the counterattack is that you pray. And that's really what neutralizes the, the plans or the outcome that the enemy wants. That's what neutralizes it when you realize what's going on and you jump in there and you begin to pray. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now look at verse 19. And Paul says, and for me, in other words, he's saying, pray for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. In the spirit realm, Paul has these beings of darkness that are very powerful, that are working against him in the realm of the spirit to compromise to back off the integrity of the gospel. And there's compromise uh, potentials in all kinds of areas. In other words, back off uh, of the grace, back off of, you know, these teachings of uh, uh, moving away from Judaism. Uh, in other words, come on, just let them go on back. Let them have a little bit of Judaism or let them have a little bit of what they have known for so long. But Paul would not budge. He would not compromise. But my friends, there's, there's pressure, not only from those in the outside world in riots and, um, uh, you know, all of these things that would come up and come against Paul, but also even within the church as he would be working against, uh, those in the church who would uh, be the legalist, we could say the Judaizers who many, of course, were saved, but wanted to hold on to the law and never come into the fullness of what the new covenant has made available for them. And so they were, you had those that were constantly trying to get God's people back under the law. In other words, when I say under the law, you have to do this. And if you don't do this, uh, you can't go to heaven. 
Uh, and so Paul said, no, that, you know, we have to teach the full truth on this. So he wouldn't compromise, but all of these things coming against him. And he said, pray for me so that he could preach the true gospel boldly. Praise God. You know, when I was in Bible college years back, uh, there was a tremendous uh, minister. He was probably about 26 years old. So, you know, when you're, when you're 19 or 20, uh, you know, somebody that's 26 or almost 30, they, you know, you look up to them and this man had a tremendous anointing. He was still single, wasn't married, loved God, but just an incredible preacher. And so he would come and minister to our uh, college group. And whenever he would speak, uh, he would always be very, very powerful. And then, then sometimes he would speak to the uh, main college assembly, maybe, you know, 4,000 people, and everybody loved him because his, his, his messages were anointed. And I remember uh, one time he was going to speak on a Wednesday night, and this was Sunday night, a few nights before. And in the Sunday night meeting with the uh you know, collegiate leaders of the Bible, you know, campus ministry. Uh, we knew that he was coming to minister on Wednesday and uh, somebody said we should pray for him. And one of the leaders of our group said, Oh no, we don't need to pray for John. He doesn't need anybody to pray for him. He always comes with, you know, the word of the Lord, a fresh word. And we thought, yeah, he's got it. He's, he's, he's great. But you know, the truth is, is that when you're on the front lines, especially like he was, or of course, like the apostle Paul was, then yes, those people especially need prayer. We can't just take it for granted that they're praying. And then because of that, everything is just going to go whoop, right on through. Well, we need to pray for each other. Praise the Lord. I love praying for, for you, our uh, online partners, our online church members, and uh, me and Pastor Kelly and the rest of the team, we love praying for you. And I want to say thank you also for so many of you that pray for me and my wife and our family as the enemy sure does things at times that are just, I would say, supernaturally goofy supernaturally weird. You can't explain some of the things that happen because they're, they're not rational. You think, now why would a person suddenly just, you know, do something crazy like that? Well, behind the scenes, when you see really bizarre uh, behavior that's not rational, uh, but yet even would have an element of the supernatural, that's the enemy working with very strange things like that. So, Yes, we need to pray that uh, the work goes forward. And I would also ask that you would pray for me so that the message that God has called me to preach, I can preach it boldly and not compromise or back off. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And God helps us. God will always give us the victory. So let's keep our armor on, but let's also pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Let's pray for each other. Let's pray for the work of the Lord to go forward. Please pray for me and my wife. Amen. That we just keep moving forward in the grace of God. And the Lord will move us from victory to victory. Praise the Lord Jesus. Glory, glory, glory to God. Glory. Watch those little things that would try to disrupt your peace. Stop them at that entry level so that they don't come through and then perhaps cause a greater disturbance. Identify them for what they are, not necessarily a person causing trouble. That's an outward manifestation, but primarily the work of the enemy through, it, through an attack that would have the intent of causing, um, uh, you know, 
a disturbance of your, your peace, a disturbance of that atmosphere of the glory. Praise God. Oh, the enemy doesn't like that. He would do just about any, anything to try to disrupt that. But when you pray and keep your armor on, you will stand. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching today. Perhaps a few arrows, a few flaming arrows got through. <coughs> Excuse me. But Father, I thank you that uh, those arrows are put out and that the shield of faith is up and the full armor is on, the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, everything is now on. And uh, from the feet to the belt, everything is protected. Now, Father, we give you praise. And we now, we put on that armor so that we might now pray. I thank you, Father, for your people being girded with their uh, divine supernatural armor and that with it on, they now pray. And we thank you, Father God, for every plan of the enemy being foiled, every scheme being foiled. And we thank you, Father, for spiritual intelligence to know what's going on when stuff starts going on. Now, Father, we give you all the praise. Father, we thank you that we're not devil conscious. We're conscious of you. But we thank you that we are not to be ignorant of his devices. So we give you all of the praise. We thank you, Father God, for victory and for your ongoing peace, goodness, and blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Now, if you're watching today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you're in the wrong kingdom. There's only two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. So today can be your day of salvation. Come out of the darkness, come into the light, receive Jesus today, and he'll save you right now. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I don't want to be in darkness. Jesus, I surrender my life completely to you. Save me right now. Wash me with your precious blood and write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my, my prayer. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Now I see the shields of protection going up all around you. Now, for those of you that are watching, I see the, the blood of Jesus around you. I see the shields of protection going up, going up. Praise the Lord. I think that is something that has been misunderstood about the spiritual armor. The reason you put on the spiritual armor is so that you can go pray. Mm. See, you put all of the armor on and then praying always with all prayer. Praise God. Amen. I see the enemy being put on the run, and I see the victory being assured. Praise God. So, Father, I speak your blessing over your people today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, let's take Holy Communion. Glory to God. I want to encourage you to grab some unleavened, uh, some unleavened bread and some grape juice. If you are a Christian and you love Jesus, you belong to the Lord, you can take communion. Just grab a little wafer, grab some grape juice, and let's pray. Father, thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it right now, and we set this apart as being holy. We thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, 
We thank you that we know what's going on behind the scenes. Whenever there's trouble, that means the enemy has been doing something. But Father, we thank you that we can pray and bind the enemy and bind the spirits that would endeavor to work through people. We thank you that we can bind that and shut that down. Father, we thank you that we choose to exercise our authority in Christ and we exercise it through prayer. Now, Father, we give you praise. Father, thank you for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ for strength in our bodies. And we thank you, Father, that we also choose to pray one for another. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's flesh. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Father, we forgive anybody who has sinned against us. And we thank you, Father, we ask that you would cleanse us from all sin and any unrighteousness. We thank you for the cleansing blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for strength and protection. We thank you for the angels on assignment working to cause the gospel to go forward. We thank you, Father God, that the enemy is jealous. The enemy is upset. The enemy is running out of time. And the enemy has already been sentenced to his eternal doom. And he knows it. And the time will soon come when he'll be bound up and thrown out. Now, Father, we give you the praise. Thank you for your protection. Even as we sleep, thank you for your protection. Father, I pray especially for your people. Help them to guard the anointing. Help them to protect the atmosphere of your presence. Thank you, Father God, that any time it would try to be disturbed, we know who's doing that, and we draw close to you. Now, Father, we give you all of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's precious and mighty blood. Praise God. Let me conclude today by saying, if I were to leave one particular takeaway, it would be this. Whenever you have a mountaintop experience, rejoice in it, uh, document it, record it, write it down so you never forget it. But always know that when something like that happens, the enemy is not happy about that. Maybe you received divine revelation and you saw God's plan for your life in greater detail than ever before. Those are the things the enemy tries to block. Remember, Daniel was after a revelation and the enemy was trying to block that revelation. But uh, Gabriel finally got through with some help from Michael, the archangel. But there are certain things the enemy is not happy about when you get a, a miracle, a blessing. A breakthrough. So, yes, glorify the Lord, uh, praise the Lord, testify about what He has done for you, and also be aware that you must keep your guard up because the enemy, uh, he's not happy about those things. So, we're not going to be concerned about what he's going through or whatever, but we are going to pray. Praise the Lord. Well, my friends, thank you for watching. And also, please drop by the ministry website. And uh, take a look at our upcoming Israel tour, May 7th through the 17th, 
2023. Kelly and I would love to have you come along with us to Israel. It's going to be a tremendous time. And I believe, I believe in Israel, not only will we see the great sights, have wonderful meals, and have great fellowship, I believe that we will encounter the Lord's glorious presence. And it's always so special when we have those moments together. So I would love for you to pray about coming to Israel with me. All of that information is on the website. Okay, thanks for checking that out. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you back real soon next time. Bye-bye.